hey, we're Blender style. And as we slam in sideways through the door, sleek but not sober, something inside us opened, unfinished. We pull the sheet back from your unconscious form. We shed the liquor from our clear bottle. We get what we came for. We achieve purchase. We take the matches from our pocket and we light one. We count to ten and we let the matches fall. Because today we're talking about Paw and their debut album, Dragline. Released in 1993 on A&M Records. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Cheers, dude. I'm a hard pig. So in 1995 or six, not sure which one. Yeah. We bought a video game console called the 3DO, and the first game we got for it was Road Rash. And on Road Rash, there was a compilation of albums that has influenced every musical purchase I've come across since then. (laughs) And one of the standouts of that was Lawrence Kansas's very own Paw. This shaped everything I loved about music when I was a kid, and I wanted to bring it to you guys and see what you thought about it. I remember this being like one of the seminal Casey albums. There's a handful of albums that I just know that you love. Mm-hmm. And Pod Dragline is one of them. And we've been listening to it the whole time. Yep. Uh, Road Rash had a surprisingly good amount of good music. It on had it. a very good soundtrack. Uh, Monster Magnet, uh, Soundgarden. Therapy, Therapy. Swerve Driver. A bunch of other ones. And uh, we just like kind of picked some music off of this, and mm-hmm. Paw was one that really stuck for you. Paw was one of those albums we ordered from the uh, what was BMG, it? D- BMG, or, yeah, or uh, a Columbia one House. One of those mail-in yeah. order things, yeah. And we got it. We were just like, it's the greatest thing ever. Nathan, when did you get introduced to Paw? <clears throat> so Casey showed me Paw, and like I'm sure when he showed it to me, he like sang along to every word to it and stuff, <laughs> and I was intrigued, you know. I mean, if somebody's going to learn every word on a whole album, I, I you know, it's worth looking into, right? And the music was good to me. It, it, it caught my ear. And uh, I bought their second record. I came across it in Death a record trainers. store. Mm-hmm. Bought it. And it was pretty good. I liked it. Um, but I always, the songs that you showed me off this were better. And yeah, uh, I listened to it a couple, this album a couple times, but this is the first time I listened to it like, numerous times and i'm really glad you like like picked it like, okay. this is like a really good record to me. they get lumped in the jet ja- or jazz <laughs> 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 they get lumped in the grunge often they do um and we were talking about this outside and you think that's not a correct I, categorization i feel like that's a disservice to this band because i i feel like so there's an article um, I don't remember what magazine it's in, but there's an article called Searching for Nirvana 2. Um, you could Google it, and I'm sure it'll come up. But what happened was after the Nirvana hype happened and all these grunge bands like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and stuff made it big, these A&R reps started scouting because now Seattle was overexposed. And they started scouting the the, the nation for the next big band um helmet was one of the bands that they Mm -hmm. that was discovered out of this um and paw was midwestern america 
And they got clumped into this grunge era because of the time they were discovered. But I don't ever feel like Paul was ever a grunge band. I feel like it was a disservice to them to call them grunge and lump them in because to me, they were better than any grunge band at the time. This sounds like you just have a beef with grunge. I understand how some people can, I, I I understand how people can you know say grunge with this, but I agree with you a hundred percent. It grunge is like a Seattle sound. It is, and this does not sound. It has like, like a midwestern southern for, for sure twang sure. to it. Yes, one hundred percent. And the way he the vocal delivery. I mean, they even use a the steel guitar, guitar yeah. in fucking Jesse. Yeah. The songs are longer. Well, I mean, there was longer. Yeah, but um. And lyrically very different, too. Every it, song on this album was told from a first-person perspective of loss or longing. Um, it was poetry. And that's what I loved about this album from the get-go. It's like Mark has a way with the way he speaks and the way his vocal deliveries work. That that, that was the biggest turn-on to Paw for me, was the way that the raw emotion that he felt, even when he's just talking about losing a dog or a fish that he was helping somebody reel in or he writes because he has to yeah he, he writes, writes about everything personal that is, experience yeah. and it's great and i it not saying necessarily that these are all personal experiences but that feeling it's there and he it's portrays like it very well yeah mm-hmm. he's isn't he it, a professor or something he taught uh he, he completed a doctorate at the university of kansas and taught there for a while, from what I understand. I don't know um, how long or if he's still there or not. Um, he also did a book, Cue the Bedlam, More Desperate with Air, or More Desperate than, with Longing than the Want of Air, which I think is the coolest title of mm-hmm. any book I've ever heard. So you ordered this and it's poetry, right? I searched for that book for years. I actually emailed um, the... Nathan's going to borrow this from you. I actually have two copies cause, because <laughs> I found one and then immediately won another one on eBay. Uh, I emailed and somehow got in contact directly with Mark back in like 2001 or 2002. Um, and he was like, yeah, you know, I'll send you the link or whatever. But I was poor. I had no way to pay online and I couldn't do it. And so I never did it. But he was the coolest guy ever, uh, at least in the email, if it really was him or whatever. But he was like, yeah, I'll sign it and I'll, I'll send it to you or whatever. It's kind of cool. And I never I never got it. Um, I didn't have a way to pay online at the time. But so when I found this and uh, even though I paid like 50 bucks for it, uh, totally worth it to me. Uh, when I was doing research on this guy, I found like he was doing poetry. He does. He's a self-professed poetry nerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he did a little uh, like... I guess you could call like a live show uh, with a bunch of like a poetry slam almost uh, in Lawrence, Kansas at one point. Uh, There's some YouTube videos of it. I forget what it's called. Um, But more importantly than that is it is a band in whole, the way that the Mark's vocal delivery and his vocal style and his storytelling. And then uh, Grant and Peter Finch's drum and bass. uh, It just, or drum and guitar. It's just, this really cool transition from highs to lows. And it does a great job of even in the music itself, telling a story. Yeah, And so in this though, I got to bring up though, 
is grunge. This the the heaviness, mm-hmm. the quietness. Yeah. And I also want to say that's just the time in that era. The New Pixies, metal was doing that. Well, the Pix yeah, the Pixies were like that as well. Very calm, very ah, and then they would get loud. Yeah. It was diverse. It was it, it was dynamic. It's a good it's, way to have a contrast exactly. on your music. Yeah, the distortion pe- pedal was being used more and stuff. People love that great. thing. <laughs> um, but I had to comment also on the vocal delivery. Um, like he'll put words also in places that like I would never put a word within that song. I noticed that too. I mean. And uh, I, I, I it really kind of makes love, it stick out more. I love that about it because he, you know, he did that. just another. Boy, I can't. I like. I st- still have a hard time singing along to this, even though I really want to, like listening to it on my own, just because I feel like it's just so, so personal. I don't know, man. It's just weird. I I can't. I I don't know how to explain There's it. There's this weird perspective. So yeah. So like you're saying. So I stuck in your bedroom, steal some change from booze, and That's all a I good found were love yeah, notes from another. Boy, and it doesn't go. I love that part, but yeah. it goes. Uh, so I, I think I mentioned this. I don't know if we have that episode live because it might have been season zero, but on snot, Lynn Strait's vocal delivery was always very convoluted and weird to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's Mark cool, Hennessy does the same thing with Pa, but as I've grown into like listening to Pa, I feel like it's perfectly on time they're almost like little haikus that he sends with the music and it's weird the way he delivers these things um his voice his transitions from like this gargly uh i i read an interview where or a a review where somebody said like it's like he's gargling glass and it's it's perfect this dude's voice is amazing uh and but then he transitions perfectly to like these cleaner uh almost melodic it's weird that he's like such a good like writer of lyrics, but also like a pretty good singer. He is. He has like two modes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Shouty and like a more cleaner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they both sound great. Well, but, and there's this this excessive emotion that's portrayed. I think Nathan touched on it, where like these emotions are like thrown out there and left, and and there's no like there's no wanting to pull them back or take back. It's they're thrown out there and left for the world. And they're just, they're out there. It's just really cool feeling. Do you mean like in the sense of like own interpretation? Yeah. Yeah. This is poetry, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm glad you're relating it to poetry because I think that literally is what it is in a lot of points. It for sure is. It's musical poetry. Because some of it, like some of the lyrics at face value seem kind of creepy and stalkerish and like. What are you mm -hmm. talking about? He fantasizes about Veronica. (laughs) Yeah, dude, from Archie comics, right? It's so weird, and then oh, I have to be honest. When the he's violent like, femmes were very weird. When he's like, uh, uh, stuff too. <laughs> I'll uh, spank your perfect ass, yeah. over and over again. Yeah, it's. I get the sense it's not like some girl he lost, but some girl he's like fantasizing from a distance. One hundred percent. That's all it is. That it's kind he's of creepy. Fantasizing about Veronica. How many times have you read like a book or a magazine or? a playboy and fantasized about the girl in the, in the picture. I never masturbation. (laughs) I never a lot, but, but this is the thing. He throws it out there and he, he takes that internal thought that you have green day long view. Yeah. And throws it out. It's very masturbatory. 
it is. It's a. But it's that's about, the thing. He throw. He takes that internal struggle and puts it out in in, vo- in voice, and that's what makes it so crazy because it's un unapologetic. Uh, he. It's what know, every boy kind of feels. It is. It's exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like are you giving our secrets away yeah. right now? <laughs> he and he's not afraid to just throw it out there and put it for what it is. I, I don't appreciate think, what I you guys are saying. For I sure. don't I, think this would fly nowadays with the political correctness of this. I don't. Nah, I don't know. I think this would be fine. I think this is fine. Also, I, real quick, because we've been really, you know, the lyrics are great. The vocals are great. This band kicks ass. Oh, for sure. Yeah, dude, the fucking guitar, some of the parts get like I pretty love the heavy riffs. and stuff. Je- yeah, the riff like, on Jesse's sick, dude. Dude, dude the this... guitar work on this is amazing. That transition from like this heavy, grindy, like beefy feeling mm-hmm. to this really clean, like almost still guitar sound on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think I touched about it in, in one of our earlier episodes, how... There's this really cool transition that that uh, Grant, their guitar, I think it's Grant, yeah, Grant does, where he does a seamless transition from like this really tight, like internal struggle with the grindy stuff to this open melodic feel where you're letting this emotion go mm-hmm. and it matches the vocals perfectly. And, and the fact that he's able to do it so seamlessly is amazing on this whole album. Mm. It's like you took Pantera and then took the metal out and kind of boiled it down <laughs> to like a more of a rock. Like, well, Pantera grungy. did a great job of that on cemetery gates, but that was still me- metallic. You know what I mean? This but, is like not that's what so I'm saying, metal, that, that clean, but it has the yeah. same chug. Yeah. And like it's that transition is what there's makes dark. It cool. And I do like that there's, like, darker and lighter parts, like, almost contrasting yeah. at points. Yeah. It's uh, that internal struggle versus that external, like, expression. Uh, and I feel like this album does a great job of portraying it. Um, the album was named uh, after um, George Kennedy's character in Cool Hand Luke uh, because at the time, uh, Grant uh, Grant Finch... And his dad had a hard time communicating with each other. And this uh, Cool Hand Luke was a movie that they watched numerous times together. What so, we got here yeah, so, is failure. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, on the song Dragline, like a lot of that song is based off that. Really? That that character uh, and the inability to communicate. Uh, it's, it's about a, a boy's struggle with his father and communication and how they... Uh, I mean, it starts off with... Um, uh, I'm mad or I'm drunk. He's mad. I pushed a fight. He says, mm-hmm. let's go. I said, all right. Uh, that's, oh, yeah, good lyrics. that's that internal in struggle, but thrown out there for the world to feel and yeah, see. Yeah, like I see it and feel it as a, it hits me. Yeah, and I know. Player. I figure that would hit you for sure. So like, <clears throat> and you're a poetry fan, Nathan, like personally, like you read poetry and stuff like that. <laughs> Does that like, is that a factor here for you with Pa? Uh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, I'm also like a big, you know, I like Morrissey. I like uh, uh, Nick Cave. I like uh, uh, Mark Lanigan, which are all artists that I would relate this guy to and hold up to. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like they, th- this band didn't like come out with a lot of music. And that's what this makes this album to me so special mm-hmm. is that it is literally this snippet. Of time. Of time and this band and, you know, all doing different things now. Um, I really enjoy... I, I just got to name some of my favorite songs, though, real quick. Jesse, Couldn't Know, Pansy, 
one more bottle and hard pig is going to be forever my jam. Yeah. And then also like I wrote on here texture. This, this album, there's texture to it. There's like you said, like the guitars being heavy and real tight and then just opening it up and that ride and that snare and then him just doing his vocals over it and stuff. It's very textural and, uh, emotional so i'm really glad you picked this because this is uh grown to be one of my favorite albums now i will always go back to this and uh so i give this a 4.9 man i think this is a really really good record hell yeah um this is one of those like major casey albums Mm -hmm. there's a handful of them there are monster magnet white zombie some of the ones that really like stick out to me Forbes. And uh, <laughs> this one has like a lot of nostalgia with with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking forward to going into it, uh, but it was kind of a little disappointing. I'll be honest. I give it a three point eight out of five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't think it's that like impressive. You were talking about like the it's like layered or there's like lots going on. I don't think I I feel that. I feel it feels a little bit flat to me. But the emotion, like the, it makes me feel. Yeah. And it's almost like I don't know why I'm feeling it. Like I'm listening <laughs> to the lyrics and I'm just like, that's weird. And I'm just like, why am I crying all of a sudden? You know what I mean? <laughs> it has that kind of like tug on me. So I cannot deny it. I think if I sit with this longer. Did you actually go like go online and read the lyrics and stuff? I read the lyrics on like a couple of the okay, songs. Okay. I didn't like go through yeah. and read them. I'm not a big poetry guy. I'm not a big lyrics mm. guy. You all know this. Yeah. Um, I dig that the. The fans of this band are fans of this band. Oh, for sure. The comments, like I, the one video I saw where he was doing uh, poetry on YouTube. Yeah, you the comments were like, "Oh, this guy was my fucking teacher. He was the best, or whatever." Or like, uh, "Pause the greatest grunge band of all time." Okay, uh-huh. so this is what's also cool about this band, um, is that it's a hidden gem, kind of. It really is, yeah. And like, that's like, dude. Go listen to Paul. Let, let, don't let it be a hidden gem anymore. Like, tell your mom, tell your grandma about this album. <laughs> tell everyone about this album. So I don't mean to dunk on it. I think 3.8 out of 5. It's good. It's not. I think it's too smart for me. I think this is something that will eventually grow on you. It does, and every album you get into that I don't like initially, I like 10 years later. Yeah, yeah. I, Consistently, I that happens. <laughs> Casey, Paw, Dragline. This, when I was a kid, quickly became one of my favorite albums, and then going back to it, it still kind of stands. I, I don't consider myself a poetry nerd at all, but I feel like I understand the poetry that's in this, and there's a lot of life experiences that are portrayed in this that really are relevant to my life and i think that really helps it out but at the same time i feel like the the vocal dubs on this get a little muddy at times um and if i wasn't really critiquing it i would probably give it a five but being as we're really kind of deep diving onto this stuff i would say that that really changes like Absolutely fucking nothing. This is a 5.0. This is the best band to never make it mainstream. I feel like 
the fact that they were lumped in with the grunge era was a total disservice to them and had the record company stuck with them. So you think it may be because of that blanket term that got lost? I honestly think that, it, you mean? I think there were so many bands at that era in the early 90s that got grouped with that grunge era that weren't necessarily grunge, but they got grouped into that and they got they got hindered. Just like there was a, a shit ton of bands in the early 2000s that grouped as new metal that weren't necessarily new yeah, metal. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I feel like grunge was a great transitional period for the musical industry, but at the same time, I think it was a very, very, very big uh, catalyst to the downfall of the musical industry because so many bands got grouped with that because everybody... Everybody in the industry at the time was so quick to get the next band instead of looking for what was right in front of them that they chased these other bands that ne weren't necessarily the biggest things. And I think Paul was one of those bands that just like was close enough to being grunge adjacent to be grouped into that, but not grouped enough into their own style. And I think had A&M, which at the time was really big for jazz and, and all that stuff, this was kind of a venture out for them to go with this kind of harder kind of music and for them to, to take a risk on this and then decide that, Oh, the grunge era is already over. Let's just bail out of this. Paul put out three albums. They put out this death to traders, which was decent. And home is a strange place, which How is home is a strange place. That's actually a fairly decent I like that album. One. It's is an it EP. Better than, uh... I think it's better than than uh, death to traders. But Death of Traders kind of cheesy. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like Death of Traders was the record label almost pushing this band. Oh, uh, it does feel like that. So kind of. I, I feel like when 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 Dragline came out, grunge was such a big thing that Dude, record that labels were art. really like if, if you listen to it's any good. of the albums that came out in the early 90s that were grunge, the 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 bands had free reign to do what they want because the record labels wanted this Nirvana sound. And so I feel like Paw was lumped into that grunge scene and their first album the record label was like we need that grunge sound do whatever you need to do and then by the time their second album came out the record label was back to doing re record labels doing like hey we need a hit and so a lot of the music's on death traders although it's a better it's a more cohesive album i feel like it's more poorly written it loses that emotion and that feel and that rawness. Mm. Uh, and then by the time Home is a Strange Place came out, they were kind of already out and they were just like, let's just throw something out there. And it was a great album or a great EP, but I, I feel like I feel like this is Paul's pinnacle uh, of where they were going to be. And this is, this is a 5.0 and one of the greatest albums to come out of the early 90s. We're Blender Style. That was Paw Dragline. Check us out on other social media, Instagram, Facebook. Do we have Twitter? No, fuck Twitter. Don't check us out on Twitter because fuck Twitter. Fuck mm. TikTok too. Fuck TikTok too. Yeah, nobody wants that shit. We're not for. And if we get a TikTok from a year now and you're watching this later and you write some snarky comment. We we'll, love TikTok. We'll pin it and like uh. it. Rest in peace, Mike Reeves.